Not met. I'd love to meet you. Um, and I was sad to have missed last week our daughter uh, Phoebe. Her uh, appendix ruptured. Uh, she's three, and uh, so we were with her, uh, getting an organ taken out, uh, which uh, takes a toll on a three-year-old. So, um, but I just want to say thank you to so many of you uh, who are praying. Um, Kate Scott, who's not here tonight, uh, when we needed. Dawn's uh, mother was on the way. They live on the other side of Richmond. They were, she was coming down, and I needed to go be with Dawn in Richmond uh, before the surgery. She was on the way, and I texted several people, and several of you offered or were available, but Kate responded first, and she was at my house in, like, less than five minutes. Like, I hadn't even finished packing the bag, and, like, there she was, like, already in the house. Uh, and then 30 minutes after I got back, so we had picked up the other car at the hospital and come back, and I had to go get Phoebe's antibiotic or prescription for recovering and within 30 minutes of that, of me getting home, Will and Alexander showed up at my front door with that little owl for Phoebe <laughs> and a Get Well card uh, and gummy lifesavers, which are the best, and, um, and a pizza for our family. So I, I felt incredibly cared for by you guys, and uh, that was just a huge blessing to all of us, and so thank you guys. And um, if you're new, if that's the kind of community that you want to be a part of, uh, stick around. RUF, um, because it, it's a great place. So one thing that we do, uh, is, as Alexander said before, we're here to love and serve this campus, and part of the way that we want to love the campus is by speaking from God's Word on a regular basis, uh, speaking from the Bible. And so we're, this semester, we're going to be studying uh, the Gospel of, of Mark. Um, and uh, every week, we'll be doing this. Um, the Gospel of Mark was written by a man named John Mark, uh, the church history tells us was a companion of Peter, if you know Peter from the stories of the Gospels and of Acts. And we even think that to some extent, Peter was basically just like telling him what to write. So it's sort of like he's getting this from this firsthand source, Peter, and it's very early. It's one of the oldest books that we have, 80, 50s, maybe 60s. Um, and it tells us the story of Jesus in very vivid fashion. And the reason that we think that Talking about the Bible and studying the Bible together is a way to love the campus is we believe that the story of Jesus is transformative because the person of Jesus is transformative. If you want to love uh, the world, if you want to love your neighbor, if you want to love God well, one of the best things to do is to dig into what the Bible says about this person, Jesus. And so that's what we do week in and week out, not just on Wednesday nights in this room, but in our small groups and in everything that we do. Uh, so we're going to look at the Gospel of Mark. Without further ado, Mark chapter 1, and we'll just read the first three verses for now, and then we're going to go all through 15 verses as we go. So Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 1. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. We'll stop there and we'll pray. Uh, Lord, we, we thank you for bringing us to this place a week into school. Uh, some of us are first week of school, and some of us are frazzled and scared and frustrated, and some of us are excited and feeling confident and strong, and others of us are doubting, uh, but curious and wondering if you're even here. Um, or if uh, the bald guy up front is just talking to his own imagination right now. And wherever we are, Lord, we pray that you would come to us and you would speak to us again through your word. 
by your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So that was my family that just snuck out the back door. And one of my favorite things to do in the world is to read Harry Potter to my kids. Uh, And my older two, Benjamin and Naomi, they're 11 and 9. And we're about a quarter of the way through book five right now. Um, But do you remember a few years back when we all together were both like celebrating and grieving the end of Harry Potter when the last movie came out, part two, Deathly Hallows? Um, But I really enjoyed uh, the first movie, the, well, the seventh movie, (laughs) seven part one. Uh, because I, like, I thought, especially in the first hour or so, it felt so much like the book. Like, do you remember in the book, you remember when you were reading it for the first time, and there, it, it kind of lulls you to sleep for a moment, and then, bam, something's happening. Like, you're just sitting in Harry's house, waiting around, and then, boom, they're there, and you're flying, and Hedwig, oh, no, too soon. Like, why? <laughs> the first chapter, like, what are you doing to us? Rolling. Um, and then, like, you're at Ron's house with the wedding, and then suddenly, crack, the people appear, like, the ministry has fallen. Right, um, and then you're like in the woods for some reason. Like they're just like kind of, we're just gonna sit in the woods for two hours, and then suddenly like the snatchers are here, and bang! It's like run for your life. That has a sense of intensity, that sense of urgency that just pops up again and again and again throughout the first hour of that movie, and the first 700 pages of that book. And um, <laughs> the Gospel of Mark is is like that. Um, it it has this sense of pressing urgency. It's like that bam, crack moment, uh, where there's this sort of breathless excitement throughout the book. It's this splash of cold water in the face. It's like, this is the most important thing in the world. You need to listen. And it's interesting, the way it plays out is literature. Uh, Mark, his, his writing, he's very brief. He's very short. He's very quick. He uses the word immediately 41 times. The book is like 20 pages long, <laughs> like 41 Times he says immediately. All the other gospels, the other three, they give some sort of like theological prologue, like John is like, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And this is this like high theology. And Matthew gives this like genealogy, like the father of so-and-so, the father of so-and-so, the father of so-and-so, and kind of drones on for a page. And Luke is like, my dearest Theophilus, I've carefully reconstructed this by visiting these, you know, it's just like this, like these sort of tedious, they're interesting, they're good. But Mark is just like, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God. Boom. He goes. He skips the birth. He skips the backstory. He's just off to the races. The beginning of the gospel, he says. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He tells us right away what his book is. He calls it gospel. What does gospel mean? It means good news. Many of you probably know that. The gospel simply means the good news of Jesus Christ. And good news is for you. Good news is for everyone. News isn't instructions for living a good religious life, which is what most people think the Bible contains. It has that. But first and foremost, it's news. It's a story. It's this claim that an event has taken place that is life-changing, A hurricane is coming, right? That's news. Um, The ministry has fallen. There's been a diesel spill outside of SWIM. (laughs) Call the humanity. Uh, You know, run for your lives. Um, That's news. This thing has happened, and Mark is saying, something happened. And I'm going to tell you about it. 
And it's not just something happened, but it's good. It's not just news, but it's good news. The good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This idea that God has arrived on earth. That God is with us. And that is the news. We want RUF to be a place where you're going to hear that news. From different angles, from different perspectives. But you're going to repeatedly hear that news in small group. In meeting with each other and coming into this room on Wednesday nights, you're going to hear this proclamation that God did something and is doing something. And that's for you, whether you believe it or not. And it's for your friends, because good news isn't just for you. It's for anybody. If an event happened that mattered, people need to know. Uh, we all need to know about the hurricane, not just me, right? Um, and you might be in a place where you're skeptical of the news, like, well, I don't think the hurricane's going to be that bad. I don't think I'm going to evacuate Florida. Um, I'm not really sure this is true. Like, I'm not going to be smoking, so I don't really care about the diesel fuel. Like, right, I think, I think I'll be fine. I've been to a gas station before. Understood. We, we understand that. We want to be a community that understands doubts and questions and unbelief. But at the same time, the place where we can bring those questions into conversation. Remember the activities fair? the last time I was here. <laughs> so a week ago. feels like a month ago. And we're like throwing candy at people and giving out green notebooks and, hey, take our flyer, sign up on our email list so I can text you and things. Um, <laughs> and uh, one guy came by and said, wait, what are you? And I was like, well, we're this organization, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, yeah, I haven't really figured all that out yet. And I said, oh, then go to the other table. <laughs> no, I said, perfect. <laughs> like, that's exactly. Like, you think I figured it out yet? Like, let's this is a thing that you should maybe consider, contemplate. Jesus is kind of a big deal. Like, let's explore him. You're in college. Let's do it. And if you're a believer, like, you grew up in the church. You're, like, all about it. You were, like, youth group rock star. And, like, you, you had your eyes closed that whole time because you knew the words and because you were that spiritual, like, as we were singing. Like, if that's you, to hear it again. Because like, knowledge is easy. But living is hard, right? To constantly be re-encountering the gospel, and his mark is so breathlessly urgent that his urgency would challenge your and my complacency. A lot of us think the gospel is news. We don't really think it's good news. It's like okay news. Um, it's, it's good news for me, but I, you know, if, it, if you want to maybe check it out. I might maybe talk to you about, I don't know. That's what we do. But that's why we come back again and again and again to the gospel. Well, what is some of that good news? I keep telling you it's good news, but let's look at these first 15 verses here. What's some of the content of that good news? First, part of the good news is the faithfulness of God. If you notice, he, he quoted the prophet Isaiah, which we studied last semester in RUF, if you were around. He's quoting Isaiah, and he's, his point is showing us the faithfulness of God, that God said, I will send someone before you who will declare the way of the Lord. He will make straight the path. He has given his word, and he's kept his word. God has been faithful through his prophets. And now, Mark goes on to say, and he's giving us another one. And here he goes. He's just off to the races. So he quotes Isaiah, which is written like 600 years before this. And then it says, verse 4, John appeared. Like, like Isaiah was there, and then, then John just appeared. Like, that's how he tells the story. Uh, crack. Um, John appeared, 
verse 4, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Part of what Mark is saying is like he was, God was faithful in giving you the prophets of the Old Testament. And now he's being faithful by giving you a prophet again, John the Baptist. And his, his location out in the wilderness fulfilling prophecy, his attire and his food, the whole camel's hair and leather belt. The prophet Elijah wore camel's hair and a leather belt. He's like wearing the uniform of Elijah. And he's out in the desert saying basically the same message. Repent. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And this is all an echo and pointing to everything that came before him, because all throughout the Old Testament, the whole storyline and the whole message of the prophets was this idea that something is coming. Someone is coming. Someone is coming. Someone is coming. And this new prophetic word, John, is sort of this gateway between the Old and New Testament. And he's saying, that thing that we, the camel hair leather belt locust eaters have been saying is happening. This one, he's, he's about to be here and I'm not worthy to lace up his sneakers. And he's coming. He's here. So repent. That word repent is a dangerous word. It's a scary word. And it typically has a negative connotation. Like when I hear the word repent, I very often think, uh, if somebody says, Ben, you need to repent, what do they tell me to do? Quit it. <laughs> Quit doing the bad thing that you're doing and start doing the good things you should be doing. Shame, right? But biblical, the, the biblical idea of repentance is much bigger than that. It actually just means to turn around, which does include maybe stopping certain thoughts, feelings, actions, behaviors. But more importantly, is it's the pivot, it's the turn away from one thing and towards another. It's leaving one center of gravity and moving to another. It's when my kids are, are running around. Like you saw my little, little ones. You know, like Phoebe, she'll go, if you've been to my house, you can kind of run laps in the middle. And we iron in the living room. And, like, the iron is there and it's hot. And like you're stepping away to hang it up. And Phoebe's charging towards the table. I say, Phoebe, stop. Not just quit it. But I call her name, and what does she do on really good days <laughs> when her blood sugar's not low and she's had a nap? Um, she turns around. And sometimes when I, when I say it strongly, like, you're going to get hurt. She doesn't even know why I'm saying it. She just turns and runs to me. She just darts at me and hugs me. That's repentance. When the Bible tells you to repent, it's not just saying, stop it, bad person. God is saying, run to me. Come to me. Turn back around. And it's not just a message of repentance. They're being baptized for the forgiveness of sins. It's not just a command to turn around. It's a promise that God forgives. That is good news. And it's not this one-time thing that once you've turned around and run to God, you're done. But the idea is that your whole life is that. That every week we're doing that together. 
That every day we're doing that together. We're just, oh, oh yeah, let's run back to him. Return. Return to me. In RUF, we want to be centered on Jesus and his word, continually taking that turn back to him, running back to him. God is faithful. That's part of the good news. And we're not just running to anyone. We're running to the one whose sandals we aren't worthy to strap. I'm not worthy to tie his sandals, said John the Baptist. That's who we're running to. Well, what else do we see about him? Uh, Second thing. Jesus' identity, Mark shows us very quickly. He shows us Jesus' identity with his people. Now, he declared his identity the Son of God in the first sentence. But now he's going to show that to us. Look at verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came out of the water, immediately, there's that word, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descended on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. This is crazy. But Jesus is being identified here. And we're going to see he, he's identified, but he also identifies. And I'll explain what that is in a second. First, he's identified. This voice from heaven, God the Father says, You are my beloved son, and I am pleased with you. And then did you notice like the heavens rip open? I don't even know what that would look like. Uh, the heavens, and a bird comes down. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove. Here's this crazy thing that Mark's doing with us here. I mean, I think it actually happened, but it, that what God is doing and Mark's telling us about. The very beginning of the Bible, as at the initiation of creation, it says that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. In the Hebrew, it's fluttering. The same word that's used for a bird. That same spirit flutters. A new creation is being started here, just like at the beginning. And then a few chapters later, when everything has gone to crap and the flood comes, if you remember the story, if you know the story in Noah, they're on the boat and they're the only ones uh, surviving God's judgment and like, uh, what's going to happen? And then what, what, what comes? A dove. Redemption is here. You're going to live. It's going to be okay. And here the Holy Spirit says, I'm the dove. I'm fluttering here on Jesus and identifying him as the son of God. And it's this really cool thing where you see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, like all there as separate and distinct entities right there out of the gate. That's called the Trinity, if you're not familiar with the theological language. Like, boom, Mark is like, Trinity's happening. And they're just kind of dancing together. I love you. Here comes the Spirit. You're my son. And I adore you. So we want to be about Jesus here because of what Mark is saying he is, because of who he says he is. But Jesus isn't just identified in these opening pages. He actually identifies himself both with God, the Father, but also with us. Because what did he do? He gets baptized. And what did Mark just tell us John's baptism was? A baptism of repentance. Well, Jesus didn't need to repent, if you know the storyline at all, as you'll see. He didn't have sin. Matthew tells us that Jesus said that, he, that John initially resists when Jesus is like, I want to be baptized. And John says, no, 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 no. And Jesus says, 
we need to fulfill all righteousness. So we're going to do this. So here's the thing. When Jesus enters into the river and is baptized, what he's doing is he's saying, I'm with you. I'm with these people over here. And John, I'm with you. And I'm going to be one of you. I'm identifying myself with you. And at the very moment when he's being identified as the son of God with whom the father is well pleased, he himself is identifying with us. He stands in the river with sinners, even though he doesn't have to. But he goes, which means that we get to identify with him. And this is huge. Uh, I want want to to read you sort of a long quote from theologian. He says this. The whole Christian gospel could be summed up in this point, that when the living God looks at every believing Christian, he says to us what he said to Jesus on that day. He sees us not as we are in ourselves, but as we are, still us, in Jesus Christ. It sometimes seems impossible, especially to people who have never had this kind of support from their earthly parents, but it's true. God looks at us and says, you are my beloved child. I'm delighted with you. I'm delighted with you. This is hard for us to get. And now, you guys are sort of the generation where people are writing articles about you, about how you were over-affirmed and everybody told you you were the best thing ever. So it doesn't like resonate the same way. But you know that feeling, don't you? Whether it's with your parents or with your peers trying to prove yourself. Uh, this past summer at summer conference, I got to meet um, some students from other schools. And uh, there was a student who's involved with RUF at NYU uh, in New York. And they, they, these, uh, they, they were joking around together because uh, they you know, use Uber a lot in New York because it's easy. And uh, she was frustrated because like, she, couldn't, she couldn't get a good Uber driver because you rank them, you know, one to five. And so you, you can set the field to where, like, I'm not going to take anybody below a four, right? Below a four, like, mm. But she could never get an Uber. And then one of those students was like, well, here, let me check your phone. Oh, you're a 3.2. Because the drivers rank you, too. And they can do the same thing, right? And then she's like, I'm a 3. Like, why am I 3.2? Like, what did I do that I, like... Fart in the car, or like, why, I, what, why would I, why am I? But we do that, don't we? we? We rank each other, or we give ourselves a rank, and we want to earn those points. And, and this idea that somehow it could just be like, hey, you're mine, I'm delighted with you. We don't experience that a lot. Uh, we don't see it. Um... Some of you have parents who gave you that, and many of you do not. Um, or if they do, part of you knows it's because you've done so well. And that's part of, part of how you got here. Like, some of you, I'm sure, are here because you are just an open-minded person who loves to learn and flourish, right? I just want to grow in knowledge. I don't care about grades. I just want to be the best me I can be, right? But part of us is working to score those points, to up our Uber ranking, either with our friends or with our parents, because we're longing for our mom or our dad to say, I'm delighted in you. 
And for some of us, we have to come to the sad conclusion that that may never happen. And that we can be using all of our intellectual and social dynamics and joining this club and being the president of that and getting this job when we get out of here, and that's still not going to come. And part of the good news is that in Jesus identifying with us is God's beloved son himself and standing in the river with us is that we get that same proclamation from God in him that is already yours. And so in RUF, we want to be a place where we're practicing that reality together, where we're reminding each other that that is true and extending that same kind of grace to other people, where you can come in and not feel judged, where you can come in and not feel like you've got to be something that you're not, where you can, you can stand in the river with Jesus and hear that same voice from heaven that he got to hear on that day. That's the kind of community we want to be. And then, okay, I'll keep going. He doesn't just get identified, though. He doesn't just identify with us, but then he fights for us. He fights for us. Uh, Verse 12, Jesus fights for his people. Uh, The Spirit immediately, there's that word, immediately drove him into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals. And angels were ministering to him. Here's the crazy thing. If you got questions about, like, is Satan real? Does he exist? Let's get coffee. I won't deal with that tonight, but I'd love to talk to you about it uh, over coffee. Um, I think he's real. Uh, I think the Bible says he is. Um, but here's this idea that Satan, this personal evil entity, uh, the, the originator of all the crap, is there with Jesus in the wilderness for those 40 days. And Jesus is going toe-to-toe with evil. Head-on. Uh, he's fasting before he imagined. Like, I've fasted in, like, two days. Uh, if I skip breakfast, I just, like, get cranky. I get hangry, you know. Uh, it's like a Snickers uh, commercial. Um, he's tired. He's weakened at that point. Uh, he's in the situation of greatest weakness. There's animals around. He's stressed. There's discomfort. And then there's the relational discord of Satan being there, a liar and a betrayer, he is being tempted to the most intense degree imaginable. But more than that, the 40 days, it's not just like a coincidental thing. Again, it's a little echo of the Old Testament. If you know the Old Testament story, God's people Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And most people think that this is, Jesus is sort of imitating. He's saying, again, I'm with them. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because they were tested, same word that's used here, tested, tempted, repeatedly, and failed. And Jesus goes, okay, I'm going to go do my 40 days, but I'm going to win. I'm going to go toe-to-toe. I'm going to accomplish. I'm going to stand in their place that Jesus has faced your greatest enemy and done what we were all called to do but never could do for us. He fights for us. He goes for us. Um, So put those ideas together, him fighting for you and you getting to identify with him. Uh, you, you, this will be hard for some of you to believe. I played basketball in high school. Uh, I was a guard, okay? Um, and I was a bench warmer. That's easy for you to believe. Um, and our school, uh, our, our, our varsity basketball team, we won the state championship in Alabama. Okay. <laughs> How glamorous is that? Uh, but we won the state championship uh, two years in a row, my junior and senior year. And both years, the first year it was in the final four, and the second year, it was in the championship game against the same team. We were down by 10 points with less than two minutes to go in the game. If you know basketball, like, we should lose. <laughs> like, 
it, I've already spoiled it for you that we won. Um, there's no shot clock. Like, you're down 10. It's only two minutes to burn. But we had Brett Wilkin. Brett Wilkin and I were in the same class from first grade through 12th grade. He was sick in first grade, and he was sick when we were seniors in high school. He ended up playing as a walk-on at Mississippi State and, like, got some playing time and then blew out his ankle, and his career was over. He was a baller, okay? And uh, he just went off in those last two minutes. Like, something would snap in him when it got really intense, and he's like, okay, I'm gonna, this is my game now. He's hitting threes, he's driving, he's getting fouled, he's stealing the ball, he's taking passes. Like, it was unbelievable. And it was so funny, because after the first year, the second year, when it happened again, we were like, oh, we got this. Like, like <laughs> we were nervous. We were just like, oh, this is going to be great. Brett's going to do it again. And he did. He just took them down. And then, when the buzzer goes off, and the game is over, I had not set foot on the court. I didn't even get in the game. <laughs> what did I do? We ran out on the court. I jumped up and I could do this back then. I jumped up and grabbed the rim. I'm like swinging from it. We're dancing. We're like jumping on each other. We cut down the net. I got a little piece of it, you know, and, I, and we're going, we're number one. And our fans rushed the court. You know, they all just zoom. They didn't even practice. Like I practiced. I practiced. <laughs> you know, I, was, I had a jersey. And they're like, what are they saying? We're number one. We're number one? I can't feel like Brett's number one, right? But no, like, we know, like, he's ours. He's our champion. He's the one. And Jesus is like that, but, like, infinitely better. He is going in, and it, it, down 10 with two minutes left, and he just is like, all right, Satan, let's do this. Bring it. Let's go. I'm going to face whatever I've got to face. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for them so that they can rush the court behind me. So that little Ben Robertson can do this once in a lifetime, grab the rim and swing up, climb the net, you know, whatever. Um, Jesus fights for you. And the book of Hebrews tells us that he was tempted in every single way as we are. He was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Why? Why did he do that? Because he knew we needed it. For him to be able to stand in our place, he had to face it down himself. He couldn't just arrive and snap his fingers. He had to live the human life that you and I couldn't live. He had to be tempted just like we are so that he could stand in our place because we needed a champion. And so after facing our enemy, he then immediately goes on with the purpose for which he came. Verse 14, Jesus starts his ministry publicly. After John was arrested, John, uh, Mark, that feels like that's a story. <laughs> John was arrested? What? Yeah, I'll just moving on. <laughs> anyway, it's, just, it's what Mark does. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming, here we go again, the gospel of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Sound familiar? He's picking up right where John left off. But instead of saying something's coming, he says the kingdom is here. At hand means like it's here. It's happening. I'm here. The king is here. The kingdom is here. It's coming. And he says the same thing. Repent. The same message as the Old Testament prophets. The same message as John. The kingdom is at hand. And so all semester we're going to chase Jesus with Mark all through this book. And he's just going to keep throwing cold water in our face and say immediately, 
immediately, immediately and breathlessly tell us this story and ask us to enter into the story, to be part of it, not just to be a spectator, but to be a participant in the story of Jesus as it continues. And what I want to do is I want to grab Hermione's hand and go crack and go with him. And that is what he's doing. Disapparate before Voldemort and the Snatchers come. I want to grab his hand and go, and I hope uh, you'll come with us as we do that. Let me pray, and then we'll sing some more songs. Lord God, we thank you uh, that you are good. We thank you that the gospel is urgently good news. Uh, we pray that we would live as those who have both received that good news and can rest, and then at the same time from that place of rest, carry out the sense of life and urgency that you've given us for every little day of our life. Uh, would you help us to do that, we pray. Uh, in your name, amen. Please stand up. We're going to sing a couple more songs.